Increments is a show for technologists about leveraging the in-between moments. Those moments when you come up for air and take a beat. I wanted to start this episode by summing up some of the responses to the questionnaire that I put out around fears. And if you've not seen that questionnaire, the first question that uh, was in there was about basically just asking people what they're afraid of. And what's interesting is that there's a clear progression of those responses um, and, and their fears around those responses. And it relates back to the number of years of experience that people had. So, you know, for example, the junior people, they mentioned this fear of the being a burden to their team, you know, maybe requiring too much assistance or help from the more senior members, this sense of being stuck on problems and that they're pulling down the team by being this dead weight. And, you know, it was just an interesting thing because they knew and are aware of how they require that assistance and that help from others. And yet they were sort of feeling the negative aspects of it because they wanted to be able to produce for themselves. And then then there were those uh, people who are more senior, have more experience, and they shared a, a set of fears that were different, but still overall similar on the same wavelength. What they were basically centered around were this fear of falling behind and whether they'd invested their time and effort in the right areas or, the, or if they're in the wrong areas and whether they their skill set had started to stagnate and whether they're at risk of just getting burnt out on the work. And interestingly, one person uh, hit on all of those points all at once in their response and their fear was all about um, not measuring up, falling behind and falling short. And also they mentioned being afraid of spiders, which I don't think I can help out with too much at least. Um, but the consistency in that is really interesting because you know, if you're a junior, you're basically saying that you're worried you don't have enough knowledge to support the team. And if you're a senior, you're worried you don't have enough relevant knowledge to support the team or to continue to support the team. Um, and I think it's just inter an interesting take because both people are focused on how they can contribute to that overall sense of the team and how they can contribute and whether they're contributing enough and whether they can continue to contribute. So before getting into that further, I did want to talk about the second uh the second question and the responses people gave to that. And so that was really just about how do people, what are the things that people do to put their fears at ease? And in that one, again, there were some really consistent responses across the board. And that didn't really relate back to senior or junior types of people. I think it just dealt more with the type of person you are. And I noticed a trend in that the responses fell into one of two buckets. There were the people that I'll call the talkers, and those are the ones who they need to voice their fears and they found that invoicing them and talking through it with other people, people that were either mentors or seniors or just people that they could seek advice from, that talking about it helped out a lot and it made them realize that they're not alone in their fears. And then there was a second group uh, and those are the doers, the people who took that fear and used it as motivation to create something, to do something, to pursue uh, something that they didn't know about to research and read about stuff to learn more. And so they turned that fear into action. And I'll also call out uh, Jenny Lynn O. Oh, and she shared something that I thought was pretty interesting and worthwhile. She, she uh, referenced Piglet uh, from Winnie the Pooh. And she pointed out that Piglet is always terrified when it comes to anything. But when the time comes for him to deliver, to do something, he'd feel that fear and yet he'd do it anyway. And by trusting his friends and voicing his fears, he would still accomplish what needed to be accomplished. And 
as I talk about all this stuff and I talk about the consistency around fear and voicing that uh, that fear that we have, I do want to be careful about it because oftentimes when someone is talking about a, a fear that is widely shared, you'll hear this more dismissive kind of response. And I don't think anyone's meaning to be dismissive, but you'll hear them say things like, oh, don't worry too much about that because everyone feels that way. And while that's true and while that can help knowing that other people feel that, at the same time, I think that fear is such a personal thing in terms of how it plays out in your mind, in terms of how it manifests in terms of your anxiousness or your nervousness or just the kinds of things that you do, whether you're a talker or a doer. The fear is so incredibly personal when you think about you know, what does that fear mean if it if it was realized and what are the consequences of those fears in terms of how does it impact the responsibilities that you hold? And so there's so much packed into what that fear is in a personal way that hearing other people have it doesn't dismiss the anxiousness that you have as it relates back to you. And, you know, I'll share that with, with my own fears whenever I have them, one uh, thing that I always find myself in this trap of doing is that I mentally start mapping out all of the possible pathways and outcomes and ways that it can manifest and change, whether it's a good or bad outcome. I'll ultimately always focus on the bad ones because that's just what I do. And that's just, you know, something that I always find myself doing and people who know me well will see me doing that well where they'll see me play out all the different scenarios and they'll say, well, you know, you can't do that. You don't know what's going to happen. So don't worry about it so much. And I think that when I look at that and why I try to do that kind of thing, I think it relates back to the fact that it's trying to grasp at this sense of control that we ultimately just don't have. But I'm trying to play it all out so that if I can play out all the scenarios, then maybe I'll be prepared for whatever happens. And have, not having that control is pretty tough because if we did have the control, I mean, we would just stop things from evolving long enough for us to be able to develop that mastery of the skill set, um, especially before it evolves once more, right? If that way, we can always be sure that we are doing what we need to do and we can keep things moving at the pace that we want it to move. And, you know, especially if you are actually in a position of control, you know, maybe you're the type of person who uh, makes sure that the team follows a policy or a practice or a coding technology that you're most comfortable with. And maybe in some ways that's holding the team back, but, you know, it, it keeps you feeling comfortable and relevant in that way. And, and you know, people joke about that being job security and, and that kind of is when you think about it that way. And I think the hardest part of all of this, when I think about the aspects of control and the aspects of, you know, what those fears are centered around, is that ultimately, you know, at some point when you're searching for a job, you're putting that control in someone else's hands because ultimately it's for them to know whether or not you have this skill set and whether or not they want to bring you on. And so you're relinquishing a lot of the control because it's very difficult to let a perfect stranger know anything about you and why you'd be good at a role and why you'd be good at um, doing what you ultimately would need to do for that job. And especially when it's not even the stranger who's looking at you as a person, but you're just this one resume in a stack of many others, it's hard to let them know what kind of uh, skill sets you have. And it's hard to jump off that stack and just, you know, be in front of them and, and show them that you're capable. And so there's a lot of control that we lose just by the virtue of that process. And I think that 
when it comes down to that, you know, we really just do have only two things that we can do. We can talk about our fears with others, and then we can do something. And I think that that's just in line with what everything, uh, what everyone was suggesting in the responses. But I do want to share um, a third thing that I think is not quite a third separate thing, but it's something that I you know like to submit as part of the overall approach, and it really ties back to those first two things. And it's that I think we need to just continuously put the effort towards building a sense of community. And what I mean by that is, well, I'll put it this way. On, on LinkedIn recently, uh, someone quoted uh, the mighty Gary Vee and his approach to hiring, where he recommends that you hire fast and you fire faster. And, you know, that sounds pretty good, and it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty effective approach, I think. But, you know, I'm... I, I'm not in favor of firing anyone. Um, if I ever have the opportunity, I try to find ways to make sure that I give the person the opportunity to be in the role that is better suited for them. And um, I only ever turn to firing for more extreme situations. But that aside, what if we took hiring and we made it slower, like painfully slower? And I don't mean the actual hiring of a person in the interview rounds, but I mean in terms of what if we were so slow at hiring that we started very early, and I mean so early that we don't even have a job posting up. We don't even know that we're going to need to hire for the role. In that sense, we are looking for people that we think we will eventually need to hire. And what I mean is really that we're building relationships, we're building a community, we're building our network. That's what I mean by hiring very slowly. You know, we're, we're making these connections with people and we're finding the right kind of talent, we're finding the right kind of people so that when that day comes that we need to post a job up and source people, that there's an immediate roster of people that we want to, to turn to and try to bring them on. And there's a word that I like to use when I describe people that I know that I would immediately hire in a heartbeat. And that word is effective. Um, it's... That, that is the word. It's not that the word is effective, but the word that I would use to describe them is the word effective. Um, and it's, it's really the biggest thing I look for whenever I'm interviewing someone. It's not the only thing, but it's one of the things that always is the thing that helps people stand out. I'm trying to get a sense for whether or not they are effective. Because honestly, I believe that someone who's effective, um, they can be successful in any role. You know, sometimes you do, you do need to learn some things, like you have to know how to code, um, and just being effective isn't going to let you write amazing code. You do need to have that background, but effective people are very good at picking up things like coding and new languages and problem solving. And it's not because they work incredibly long hours or they make all these sacrifices or, you know, that there are these people that we just depend everything on and put all the weight of our, all our problems onto them. Um, it's far from that. I think actually what makes someone really effective is that they know how to be good at just about anything in a sustainable way, where they won't burn out, where they can find ways to learn and find ways to seek out help, and they won't run out of steam, they won't run out of energy. And I think that, you know, an, another way that I'd describe an effective person is that there's someone who is really good at finding problems and shining a light on them and saying, 
here's a possible solution for them. I'm not an expert, but I think we could try this out. And sometimes those solutions, they're really great, and sometimes they're not bad, but they can be slow and they can have some, you know, some pain points around actually trying to do it. It could be a brute force kind of solution that takes a lot of time, but ultimately it's just enough to get the rest of the team thinking and iterating on it and coming up with better solutions so that together we get to some place that works a lot better. And that's what I think effective people are really good at. It's they're able to get other people to start spinning their wheels and working together. And like I said, you know, it's not the only trait that I look for, so you can't just hire for effectiveness. There's a lot of other traits that you want to look out for, but the point I'm ultimately making is that I think we don't work hard enough at building that network of people that we know are effective and that we would turn to in a heartbeat when before we have that job posting and say, this is that person I would love to bring on. And, you know, if I could share a goal of mine, I think that if I were to define one of the dreams that I would love to have, it's that anytime someone needed to build a strong and cohesive team that was motivated to tackle chaotic challenges and they had that as a problem that they were trying to solve, that they would immediately think of my name. If I could accomplish that, that would be incredible. And I think that that's a skill that I'm developing. I think I have a pretty good track record of doing that. I'm pretty decent, I think. Um, but rolled into just the ability of that is also the awareness. I need to make others aware of the fact that I can do that and that is a talent of mine because just my ability to do that doesn't mean much if there's no one there who knows that I can do it. And so that's what I mean is like building this network of people who are aware of the skills and the talents and the way that we can help and serve each other. So it's not looking for a pat on the back or putting myself on a pedestal or anything like that no credit or any of that stuff. It's just about having people know that when it comes to a certain set of problems that are pretty common and pretty important, that I can be reliable and capable and, and to use my own word, to be effective. So getting back to the whole idea, I mean, I think uh, when it comes to that network, that's finding people who know me well enough to know why I do the things that I do. And if I go all the way back to the beginning of just talking and doing, it's that network of people that you want to talk to so that they know what you're sensing, what you're feeling, what you're working through, but also showing them what you're working on and what you're doing to improve and what you're doing to produce and to create. Because when it comes back down to that, um, when I look at the pieces that I'm not in control of, it's that network and it's that community that will ultimately in the end help me out. So just returning back to Jenny Lynn's uh, quote about Piglet, you know, how did he pull himself together, feel that fear, and how did he do it anyway? And it's again that he voiced the frust or excuse me, he voiced the situation, but he relied on trusted friends. And it's that trusted friends I want to actually pull away from that. It's the fact that that's your community. That's the part um, that I think makes all of this work. It's more than just messaging someone on LinkedIn. It's more than reacting to a post that they've shared. It's about intentionally building up a relationship so that they know where your talents are and so that you know where theirs are. So to wrap it up, I guess I'll just kind of leave it with this more rhetorical question, is, which is that when you talk about your fears, who is that with? And when you create something, who is seeing it? Because if you just throw it out there and you're not actually getting it in front of the people that you want 
in particular to be seeing it, you know, ask yourself, is that the right way to be building that long-term relationship? You know, are you trying to get hired fast and then fired faster? Or are you actually trying to put yourself in the position where you know that you've got a roster of great people and you are part of the roster of great people for others too? So I think as you think about talking and as you think about doing, think about who that is with so that hopefully in that way, that fear as it relates back to control, as it relates back to that personal fear that we fear, that in having that right kind of network that can support and help in ways that you can't yet account for, um, that that'll ultimately be the way to go. So I'll leave it there. Uh, Definitely wanna hear your thoughts. Shoot me a comment, shoot me a message, and we'll talk soon. Thanks a lot. For more content and more info, check out www.increments.dev. There you'll find questionnaires so that you can help drive the content behind the next episode.